0: And um, maybe it's just not supposed to have my notes today. Here we go. Here we go. So we're doing something a little bit different. We have been in a series called The Art of Rest. So I thought it would be appropriate to do this last bit on a stool, Um, amongst many other reasons. Uh, So what I wanted to do, and this is for those of you who... um, uh, Just sort of looking for a a, a quick, nice, encouraging sermon. I'm gonna give a little bit at the end to kind of give some closure to this. But I didn't want this practice. So we have been stopping throughout the year to teach some spiritual practices or disciplines. Anybody who's a Christian in this room, just by nature of that name, a Christ follower, we are being invited to be apprentices of Jesus that can sometimes get lost in a really like jacked up Christian culture that's just trying to get a bunch of people to pray a prayer so they can go to heaven when they die. Which is something that maybe you grew up with and you think is, well, that's what church is really about. The only problem is that's not reflected even a little bit in the scriptures. Now we believe in heaven. We believe that there is a saving grace that we get to receive. We believe there can be power in a prayer and a hand raised, but that is not the, uh, the, the main thrust of the gospel and especially what it means to be a church. We uh, have been entrusted with this message that Jesus is making all things new. The gospel before it's anything else is the good news that Jesus is what? Lord is the ancient language used. Jesus is king. That Jesus is Messiah, to use Jewish language. This was, the, this was the understanding that all of creation was sort of waiting for God to put this back together. And we are told, according to the Christian scriptures, that Jesus is making all things new. And we get to partner with him and join him in doing that. In making disciples, other apprentices. Letting other people know that this king, you, you, can, be, you can enter into this kingdom and be saved by this king. By grace and grace alone There's nothing you have to do. And that we have then been giving marching orders to join him in demonstrating and announcing the good news of this king. A king that is making things new. A king that that's, is a God who is rooted in love. And so this practice or these practices throughout the year that we've been focusing in on are meant to be what are some really central ways we as a community want to become more like Jesus. Some focused things. And one of them is around this thing of rest. And so we've spent the last six weeks talking about Sabbath mostly, silence and solitude, simplicity. How great was Dan Derezzo last week with that simplicity talk? Like central practices that some of those things, right? We love self-care is so in vogue right now. Right? But the, the originator of self-care is the God of the universe. And we'll talk about this in a moment. The originator of simplicity. Even if all the... You notice, like, if you follow any, like, trendy blogs around simplicity movement, it costs so much money to be simplistic. Right? Like, desaturated blocks, and I only have one shirt, but it was $6,000. Like, there's... Like, I need this much Patagonia wear to actually go camping and really live a simple outdoorsy life. Right? So, in other words, there's something in culture that latches in a good way... Onto this idea of simplicity or onto this idea of like lowering the visual noise in your life or taking a day to rest and be mindful and go to a yoga studio. These are all things because everyone's made in the image of God. So it makes sense that people pick up on this. But as followers of Jesus, we go, oh yeah, there's so much good there. Let me show you how deep though it actually goes. Let me show you what its ultimate purpose is. Let us let us show the words of Jesus, this whole simplicity movement. You trace this stuff back. I'm a nerd for this stuff. So I just look at these historical swings. It all goes, all of it goes back to a rooted Judeo-Christian worldview of what it means to say, only hold on to what matters because you can't take stuff with you. And so we've been talking about this and talking about this and talking about this. And so we wanted to end, and we're gonna try to do this every time we do a practice with... Um, not just kind of rushing on to the next sermon series, but to check in. How are you doing? How many people over the last couple months have started like fresh taking some kind of Sabbath? I love it. That's like worth doing. All, like that was the, worth the whole series. Just a handful of people going, yes. How many people who have been doing some semblance of Sabbath feel like it has, you've been able to go deeper or you've enriched it in some way? Awesome. How many people are brand new and have no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> don't raise your hand. I hate that. I went to a church recently. I stopped into a church and, and they made everybody get up. And like anybody, anybody new here? Oh, come on, stand up. It's like I don't know how many of you <laughs> are wallflowers. Like how many of you are, just have such fear of, of that sort of thing? Um, but they're like, oh, come up and they interviewed them, gave them like a chocolate bar because that's supposed to make you stay at church or something. I don't know. Anyway. So we wanted to end this time with a bit of a Q&A. So a bunch of you this week have sent in questions, um, really thoughtful questions. And I, and I like to call this a Q&R, not a Q&A. I do not claim for one second to be some sort of answer person. Um, but I have some responses, maybe, uh, that might be helpful uh, for some of us. So before we dive into this, so this is what the f- format of the day is going to be, or the, the next 25 minutes, we are gonna do a little Q&R. And then I'm gonna share just a few kind of parting words with us, um, kind of hopefully pulling together some of Dan's stuff around simplicity, uh, Pastor Lyle around solitude, and the last couple of weeks, uh, Tim Wynn's talk on mission, and uh, some of the things I've been talking about with, with the power of Sabbath. I'll end us with that, and then we'll close our time together. Some questions. One of the first questions that came up on how do we rest, let me just pray together. Let's pray. That was a lot. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, do you open our eyes that we would see you, our ears that we could hear you, and our hearts, Lord, that we would in some way know you more. Prepare us, Lord, in Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so one question that came up multiple times from some of you was this. For those of you wondering where these questions came from, they came through social media. one was, what, what really practically, if it, over the course of 24 hours, I'm supposed to rest and worship? This is, we talked about Sabbath in so many ways as the intersection between rest and worship. And so I, I wanted to share a little bit of what we as a family do, and then a little bit of, uh, mixed into this, uh, and I want to be just clear and honest with you as a pastor, is also our ideal. So some of these things we do, I'll try to itemize as I go. And some of these things are aspirational. We have done them rarely, but we want to do them regularly. Again, if you're new with us, this idea of Sabbath is meant to be, Jesus says, is a gift. Stop, slow down, turn off. You would remember that you are a human being, not a human doing. That you would remember like what is most true in the world, that you would get a sense of perspective. Abraham Heschel says, Sabbath gives the world the energy it needs to go another week. Sabbath is an over, it should be a place where we experience a rich filling that the rest of the week is overflow. We work from rest, not for it. That the words, oh my gosh, I just desperately need a vacation, rarely leave our lips because we have developed such a healthy rhythm and such a healthy pattern where we stop and we don't just binge watch shows, but we are refreshed and renewed. So a couple things. One, we try our best uh, to make it a digital break. So phones go off. You can, um, just a hack... On your Do Not Disturb list, I don't know about uh, non-Apple phones. This is an Apple church, so if you have Android uh, doors, no, just kidding, kidding. Um, if you can, on your Do Not Disturb list, you can put names and numbers of people that you want to be able to break through, like grandma, like mom, like your kids. But actually, putting your phone on Do Not Disturb or putting it in a box and putting it far away, where. You can hear it if there is some issue. Turn off all notifications if you have notifications on. Do yourself a favor, turn off all your notifications. You don't need to know every time someone likes your Instagram photo. Amen? Some of you are like, no. (laughs) That's where I get my self-worth from, Andrew. Two, we light a candle. Light a candle. Some symbolic thing, we sit down at the dinner table and we light a candle. For us, we open up a bottle of wine, and we make a meal. And we go around the table, and we try to do this more than just once a week, but we give thanks. What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? What are you thankful for? It's amazing how even if you have kids, they can get this very quickly. This is the time we give thanks. If every good, true, and beautiful thing comes from God alone, then that you can be thankful for that ice cream cone. You can be thankful for that unicorn Pez dispenser. You can be thankful for this is my life. Yes, this is my life. If you're single, take a moment to stop. Maybe it's treating yourself to dinner. Maybe it's just slowing down and going to the park and having a picnic. Maybe it's gathering together. Sometimes we gather together with a couple close friends who are, ref- who are people who fill you, people who refresh you. Not that one friend that, like, when you're done talking to them, you feel empty and dead inside. Anyone have a friend like that? Anyone sitting next to you, that friend like that? It's cute. Stop and slow down and be with the people who give you life and have conversation that's centered on God. Pray that the Holy Spirit come and lead us and guide us. Don't do dishes. Don't do chores. Let stuff hang. For some of you, that's really, really hard. If you gotta rinse them and leave them in the sink, fine. But don't just like don't don't go crazy like re-cleaning the whole house. Do that before. Prepare for Sabbath. Go to bed early. No digital stuff on Friday. Maybe even try to go to bed in the summer. You can do this maybe when the sun goes down. Try to go to bed extra early. If you're married, like we talked about a couple weeks ago, have some married time. This is part of Sabbath. If you missed that week, one of the most common practices in Sabbath, if you're married throughout history, this is not like a new thing, is you make love. One person said you should make love at least four times during Sabbath. Guy was a champ. Um, Slow down. When you wake up, don't wake up with your phone, have another alarm. A friend of ours got a, a analog old school alarm that has no screen on it. It makes that really obnoxious sound that makes you want to punch a squirrel. Like, it's just so annoying. And, ah, but it's, it wakes you up and it's not a screen. So you're not tempted to reach for social media. You're not tempted to read the news feed. You're not tempted to whatever it is. I wake up slow. Be still. Start the day in the scriptures. We're going to talk about this in a minute. Sometimes going to the scriptures can actually feel like a chore, but I'm telling you, when you go to the Word, it very rarely leaves you empty. This is the sort of rest and renewal that we need. Some of you who don't journal because it's really hard need to journal. Be aware of what's going on inside your heart. If all this sounds too idealistic and I can't do that, I'm telling you, you can And for those of us who want to spiritualize away things like anxiety and spiritualize depression and just say you don't have enough faith, I always want to encourage you, and this was Dan's encouragement last week, was actually start here. Before medication and before assuming there's a demon on your back, slow down and cut out all the things that the Bible and now science tells us is producing anxiety and depression. Do you hear that? Do you hear that hopefully in a kind way in that like I love you sort of way? Like, this has been central to my life, I can say. This has been so critical to go. Wait, wait, wait. Before I go and try to numb and distract and figure out, I don't know why on earth I'm just so always worked up and I don't even do the bare minimum of following the way of Jesus, which is trying to stop, slow down, and become aware. I told you a little bit about, like, when I sit down with my girls, we do a little, we try to do some quiet time read them a Bible story for your kids just take tonight we always have pancakes Saturday morning pancakes just like you make ritual out of this I want my kids to look forward to this have a nap any nappers in the room yeah get that nap in get that introvert on Whew, so good the extroverts in the room go for a walk with a friend again a friend that give you life plan this out talk about things that matter don't gossip. Don't just sink into politics. Lift one another up. Bless one another. Encourage one another. Honor one another. Rest and worship. Because at the center of all of this, Sabbath is not a break from the way of Jesus and not a break from the spiritual practices and disciplines and not a break from everything. It's a break from almost everything except for God. It's about plugging back in. It's about saying, Lord, it's been a rough week and I have been a little distant from you because I know you've been present and I know you've been close and I know you've been with me, but I have not been with you. So this is the day we go, God, I'm in, I'm all in. That's why many of us link this in with church. Sabbath for many Christians is Saturday night through Sunday night. So we end right before dinner and then you get ready for school and you plug back in, you take care of any last things. Saturday morning, Friday night becomes chore time, get some things done. And then that Saturday night to Sunday night with church right there in the middle, worshiping, serving in the house, like being replenished and refreshed, getting there every Sunday, if Sabbath's every Sunday, we're here every Sunday, we're hearing the word, we're singing together, we're allowing this stuff to shape us. That's a little bit about what, I guess how you'd say, I do on our Sabbath or what we try to do. Uh, The more I need to rest, the less I'm able to accept and recognize it was a question that came in. How do I address this? The more I know I need to rest, the less I'm actually able to do it. Look, like feelings will follow like faithfulness. So that feeling like I just don't want to, it will follow discipline. Feelings always follow faithfulness. We can't wait for ourselves to feel a certain way to in order to do that. If we know that it's good, if we trust that Jesus' way is the best possible way, then I, I hate to say this, it's just like you, you, you have to try harder. Try harder. There's grace, there's no condemnation. But really work to put this in as a discipline because you will find your feelings and emotions and postures changing towards it the more you actually experience it. And, and the second thing, and I, I threw this question out to a friend of mine, um, and she said this, she goes, and she's a little, she has a little edge to her, which I love. She goes, well, why does that person think they're so important that they got to be so busy? I was like, no, I don't think they think they're important. I know this person. They're an amazing human being. They're like really busy, brown med student, like just working so, so hard. And it's like, yeah, I know, I know. But we think that life will not, I will not be able to accomplish everything if I stop. Maybe you need to get more efficient somewhere else. But don't be so self-important to think that you can't stop one day. God could stop. You can stop too. I know you've heard me say cheeky things like that before, but I think it's important that we like remind ourselves of this. How do you find rest from heavy things that vacation won't like fix? How do you find rest from world events and personal loss? This person went on and mentioned a couple other things that are more politically charged, but, (laughs) right? Like, how do I find rest from a a president that has the rhetoric that he has that I have to see every day? How do I find any kind of rest that like just a quick vacation is not gonna pause this? How do I find rest from feeling like the weight of the world's on me? First of all, you're not going to, to, if you need to turn some things off and mute some things in your life, you need to do that. So much of the tension in our lives comes from, and again, you, some of you heard me say this before, our sphere of influence is so different from our sphere of concern. Stay with me on this. Even if you heard this before, I want you to really take this home. We're so concerned, our our zone of being concerned, we are concerned about everything. I can be concerned about every political like, idea from the left to the right to the middle. I can be so concerned about so many things I can be so worried about something I can't control very much of that at all and only in the name of being intellectually aware of every little thing that so and so did or this happened or this brokenness took place that's not a good enough reason for my own mental and spiritual health just to be aware of it when I can't do very much about it so it's not that we aren't prepared or aware or woke to whatever degree we can be but we can't be aware of everything so start there I can't be aware of everything. I can't be concerned about everything. And what are the things that are inside my control, the things that I can, the ways that I can love and the ways that I can engage. Am I even engaged in that at all? Cause I know some people who are really worried and have a lot of great opinions, but they're actually not on the field in the game at all and helping love and serve and bless. And so I think, yeah, a vacation, just like a Netflix binge, will not bring us the kind of rest that we desire and that we need. It won't. It won't. It won't. And this is why being in the word is uh, a, a proverb I'm going to gaffe up. But the, the proverb basically says, look, where the life, where the blessing is, is right at the door of the house. Like, like you, you we need to actually be people who go back to the word and who go back to the father. This is why worship is so central to Sabbath because if all Sabbath is is the rest part and none of the worship part, it won't renew us through the hard times. So be aware of your sphere of concern and then make sure that Sabbath And breaks are more than just stopping, but they're actually engaging in the things that will bring us life, that will make us more dialed in to the fact that Jesus is on the throne and you don't have to save the world today. Anyone else need to hear that? You don't have to save the world today. And that also keeps us from the other temptation, which is that we numb out. Well, pastor said, I can't be concerned about everything, so peace. And we just check out. No, like it is when discontent about the brokenness of the world and the evil that we see is crystallized that people find their calling and people know what they're supposed to give their energy to and what they're supposed to pick up their cross and engage in. But if all we're doing is getting mildly frustrated mildly anxious and mildly annoyed and then we just dial out and go, I can't really fix it anyway so eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow would we'll die. Well, that's not it either. Rest and worship. God, what are you calling me to be about? God, what do I need to hear from you today? Do I need to be reminded of Christ's love and his blessing on my life? Do I need to be aware and receive X, Y, and Z so that I can go and be a voice of that in the world? So I'd say, yeah, a vacation is not going to alleviate the sort of anxiety and stress every generation has lived under. We need to cultivate rhythms of rest and worship. Uh, Question three, why do you wear black? You know there are other colors, right? Light blue jeans. Mixed it up today. Um, (laughs) Is there a right way to tell an emotionally needy person, I'm not able to be there for you right now? So I imagine this in the context of, of rest is like, how do I rest from people when I'm supposed to love my neighbor and love people? Does this question resonate with anybody in the room? I felt like when it came in, I was like, oh, this one is going to hit people. This is a great question. There are people in my life that are toxic, but I know I'm supposed to love. I'm not just supposed to love my neighbor. I'm supposed to love my enemy. And so how do I make sense of establishing boundaries? And, and I, I, this is a, a, a cop-out maybe, because I'm supposed to have some magical answers for you as your pastor. But I would say first and foremost, go read, if you care about your own spiritual being, go read Henry Cloud's book, Boundaries. Just go read that book. Boundaries are okay. Jesus gets away. There are people who are needy and need to be healed, and Jesus leaves them multiple times in the scriptures. He stops, and he leaves. I have to go be with my father So many throughout the 2,000 years plus of Christian history have hypothesized about what he was doing, why he got away. But the one thing we do know is that he got away to be with his father. He said, I can only do what I see the father doing. He had a very deep and crystallized awareness of what he was supposed to give his energy to. You read over and over in the scriptures and the gospels, he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to Jerusalem, he's going to Jerusalem. Kierkegaard calls this, he's willing the one thing. There's one thing he's to have his attention on. This is what I'm supposed to give my energy to. This is what I'm focused on. Now, he allows himself to be disrupted and interrupted, but there was a clear sense, there wasn't anxiety. And can I just be honest with you, whoever asked that question? I know who asked that question, pretending. Pretending. To the people who may have that question burning in their hearts, I just want to be with you. I struggle with that so much. I am really, this is hard for me. It's only in seasons where I feel most dialed into the Father and his will for me. The time that I feel most grounded and rooted in what I'm supposed to be giving my time and energy to, that I feel like God gives me the grace and mercy to be able to say, not now, in a kinder, gentler way. Oh man, I, I hear you. You're going through so much. I want you to know I'm praying for you so much. And you've got to navigate. There's no prescription I could say, always say this and the person will just receive it. Oh, you don't have time for me because you're really burned out and I'm emotionally needy. Cool. Good luck to you. That interaction's never going to happen. Because <laughs> if it did, that person's actually probably emotionally way better off than you think they are if they're able to do that. No, it's not gonna happen. This person already, it sounds like is, is hurting. And so when we think of Sabbath and rest, it's okay. That's why I say when we have dinner on on Sabbath night, it's people that are refreshing to us. It's people who fill us up, who can pour into us. It's not people who like, we know it's gonna go like very quickly into a counseling session every time and we're gonna be up till midnight. No, we can't do that. That's That's not healthy for us because we wanna love. Because eventually you want to be able to be available to that maybe type of person. Maybe that same person that God's going to bring back in. No, no, no. We we need to be people who are aware and dialed in and open to what God, how God is leading us. Man, there were so many good questions. Uh, I'm not going to be able to get to them all. Um, I'll need to wrap up a bit here. So I want to turn your attention as we close to, um, to, uh, to Matthew uh, 12, Matthew 11, 28 to 30. This is how we started this series, with these words from Jesus. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. First of all, not come to a system Not come to a religion, but come to me. Jesus says, come, come to me. All who are weighed down. Some of us, this this is it for the beginning of Sabbath, is being able to simply take a deep breath, and trust that Jesus can take this and trust that Jesus is strong enough for this, whatever it is the burdens that you have. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. This is in the context of these Jewish peasants, the people, the poor in their midst, getting bombarded with rules and rules and rules about how to be faithful and how to do Sabbath and how to practice religion. All these deep-rooted morale like bearing heavy loads on them of these different teachings and ideas about what it meant to be faithful to God. And he stops them and he goes, no, 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 no. That is not where the rest is. It's just doing a bunch of things. He says then, take my yoke upon you. This is like submission. This is where the Christian path is hard. He goes, no, no, take my teaching upon you. Don't mix it with a bunch of other stuff. Take my yoke upon you. Take my teaching upon you. There's something, Jesus is making a claim that is, is maybe difficult for some of us to, to grab onto. He, he's interested in saying, uh, and many love to kind of have fun with this. This, the Hebrew way of talking about a yoke is a yoke is a teaching. A yoke is take my way upon you. Take my interpretation of Torah upon you. I'm telling you all the ways that you're getting bombarded and burdened down with the way that you're supposed to live and how you're supposed to engage X, Y, and Z. No, no, take a deep breath and take my teaching. And let me tell you the kind of teaching it is. The kind of teacher that I am, I'm gentle and humble in heart and says, learn from me, learn from me. Part of engaging and experiencing Jesus's rest, at least in my experience, has been learning from Jesus. And at the risk of just sounding like too basic or not clever enough, or I'm not really that clever anyway, but, It's G.K. Chesterton's famous quote. It's not that Christianity has been tried and found wanting. It's that it hasn't been tried. It gets diluted. It gets mixed up with the brokenness of nationalism or the brokenness of pharisaical religion or it gets mixed up with the brokenness of systems that are actually ironically counter to the, the way of Scripture. And so I think for some of us, maybe on a Sabbath, it is simply going or in a, in a, in a rich posture of life that is whole and good. It, it is simply saying, I want to give Jesus's teachings a try. I want to try them all over again. I want to read through the Sermon on the Mount again and, act, and wrestle with what does it mean to entrust my past and entrust my stuff and entrust other people to God. What might it look like to be a person who lives without this sense of, I need to control everything. What would it be like to actually trust that Jesus's way is the best possible way? Things you've heard said, if you've been a part of this church for so long, but if you're anything like me, as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I can think already as I'm saying this in real time of specific things and ways that I just fall so short of trusting that that way is what will bring life and peace and grace. So much of rest has everything to do with simply coming underneath Jesus's Lordship. Take my yoke upon you. I'm gentle. I'm a gentle teacher, I'm a humble teacher, but I'm gonna teach you some things. I'm gentle and humble and full of grace. There's nothing you have to do to earn my favor and love. I've bent down into the dirt and i blessed you and I'm, and I'm here for you, I've given all, This is, this is, Christianity is basically the divine, the spiritual behind everything has shown up in flesh and blood and said, I see you, I'm mindful of you and I want to lead you home and I'm a God of love. So I've given you choices, which is why you're here in the first place in this place of brokenness, let me lead you home, but I am going to lead you. And so we have to be willing to be led. And I know that that's difficult for all of us. Come to me and take my teachings upon you. I'm gentle, I'm humble, and this is where you will find rest for your soul. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come to me, come to me. We we, uh, we began this series with this acknowledgement that burnout happens when our doing exceeds our being. And, and, And so we want to be people who simply know how to lay down in green pastures, to be led beside still waters and to be restored as the Psalmist says. God doesn't want us to be exhausted. God wants to make us happy, to flourish, to be alive. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and he restores my soul. Sabbath is not simply the pause that refreshes. It's the pause that transforms. And so even if you're here, you're not a follower of Jesus. Or you're brand new to the way of Jesus. You're struggling with the way of Jesus. There's something about taking Jesus's teachings upon you, trusting for a minute that the God of the universe, the divine personality behind it all, desires you, to, 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 desires to restore you, that even in engaging in the practice of stopping, uh, I, the, the, the practice of being still, that there will be life and fruit that will begin to come and I trust will point you actually back to God himself. We started the series with this poem. This is written by a a Jewish writer, a famous Jewish writer who's talking about Sabbath. Became a Christian in the last few years and he talks about reflecting on his time at the table. He says, three generations back, my family had only to light a candle and the world parted. So he's talking about the candle that would be lit traditionally to begin a Sabbath. Three generations back, my family had only to light a candle and the world parted. Today, Friday afternoon, I disconnect clocks and phones. When night fills my house with passages, I begin saving my life. It's like, I I begin at this moment saving my life insofar as I begin to slow down To be aware of what's most important, to be still and allow the teachings and grace and power and beauty of this Jesus to transform. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to start a week with you. like to, to this gift of Sabbath that you've given us, the gift we so often don't wanna receive, don't wanna take hold of, scared that we're gonna to be too legalistic about it or not legalistic enough or whatever, Lord, whatever the things are that bounce around in us, around the fears that we have, Lord, we, we thank you, Lord, that you have been so mindful of us as to, to build this rhythm, Lord, into creation a rhythm, a day where you have commanded the ancient Hebrews to party and drink and and celebrate your goodness. A a rhythm that, that you yourself, Lord, began with the creation of the world to stop and say, though we have been invited to work and to till the earth, that we do this from a deep place of abiding with the Father and of rest, Lord you've given us basically everything we need. And so for my sisters and brothers, for myself, I need to be reminded, Lord, that we have all, we have all that we need in you, Lord. Help us, Lord, for we are prone to distraction. We are prone to worry. We are prone, Lord, to just keep moving to give us, Lord, the strength to stop, that this church, this family might be people who can continue to bear witness to the radical love and beauty of Jesus. May out of the overflow of our Sabbaths and rest, Lord, the tangible, simple things in front of us this season, like teachers' wish lists be cleared, backpacks be filled, schools be partnered with, that we would step in, Lord, where the systems in our city are broken to bless and serve those that have been called to care for those in recovery, Lord, the exhaustion that comes with that for many, Lord, that out of a place of deep rest, there would be vision and power and wisdom, Lord, for those engaged with the refugee community in our church, Lord, oh, Jesus, that they would operate from a place of overflow of love and blessing and radical hospitality, Lord, because they have just tended to their hearts and allowed you to tend to their hearts. We think of every ministry, every place of mission, every place where the kingdom is being demonstrated and announced through this community and across our city, every place, Lord, where justice and love go forward. God, We pray we would do so from a deep place of grace. I've been so guilty in my life of just doing things out of my own power, my own energy, and my own broken will of wanting to achieve and accomplish and all of it. And so all of us just glory chasers, Lord, we just surrender and lay down at the foot of the cross we just receive, Lord, on this Sabbath day, what you have for us today. How best to love and serve. That you would make us aware of the things in our own hearts that need to be repaired and we would allow you and family and community, Lord, in. As we leave this practice behind, Lord, and we step into a new teaching series, with all the questions that I didn't get to, God, we pray that we would be a church that rests well, Sabbaths well. A church, Lord, that that takes your yoke upon us. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen.